Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast, your weekly dose of talking about watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Coming up on, up on episode 45, we discuss why this Premier League season is sucking the enjoyment of watching good soccer, news about the USA's final two World Cup qualifiers on US TV, more details about Fox's plans for next summer's World Cup, as well as a big boost in TV ratings for the Bundesliga on US TV. Plus, we have a ton of letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined today by Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, uh, what's the uh, the sense in terms of uh, the build-up uh, to this uh, USA-Panama uh, game, which is going to be in Orlando, just, just down the road from us? Yeah, I think there's a lot of nervousness in general among U.S. fans, which um, is not a, a, a great indication of... Um, how they feel about the program right now because, uh, well, it is a good good indication. I shouldn't say it's not a great indication. It's an indication that they don't feel great about the program right now. Uh, Craig Burley keeps saying, emphasizing every day on ESPN FC, if you're ending your uh, World Cup qualification with Panama at home and Trinidad and Tobago away, nobody who's fighting for a World Cup berth in, uh, on the planet has an easier uh, road. So you should take six points. You should qualify. Uh, that doesn't mean that there aren't massive cracks in the program. But uh, I would say that there's a lot of nervousness and a lot of uh, internal discussion going on, which is, you know, where I have a conflict because I think there has to be significant changes within the U.S. soccer structure. And my fear is the U.S. wins these two games against inferior opposition, uh, games that they they should win with a B team, quite frankly. Or maybe not against Panama. Trinidad and Tobago, yes. And um, we will not make the kind of progressive reforms to advance the development of players uh, in the sport in this country that need to be made. Uh, So there is part of me, and people are going to get very angry. Hopefully you don't shut this podcast out. There is part of me that says the United States should miss the World Cup because otherwise we're never – we're just – we're going, we've been going in circles for 20 years mm-hmm. in terms of our, our player development and how we structure our pro leagues and, more importantly, how we structure um, our youth uh, uh, leagues. I know Development Academy, everyone thinks, was this great leap forward, but there's still a lot of issues in the identification of players, the accessibility, that sort of thing, both on the boys and girls side, that need to be fixed. So, um, I guess yeah, I, I mean, I'm, my preference would obviously be to, to be in the World Cup for the U.S., but if they don't make it, I think there's a lot of positive to come from them not making it potentially yeah it's um you're you damned if you do you're damned if you don't in some ways uh i mean i mean it's in terms of timing for the u.s soccer uh ussf president uh, race which is going to be what in january uh the the timing is perfect in terms of trying to make change uh even if the u.s qualifies we know i think all of us knows that, that there's a lot of problems uh if they don't qualify then that's a whole different story in terms of um 
of what's going to happen. Right, and, and I think there will be a talking point coming out of this. And Major League Soccer is becoming a better and better league because of the number of foreign players. We've talked about this, I don't know, maybe every week on this show. Uh, now, uh, there are very few standout American players left in MLS. It's mostly foreign players. Alexi Lawless goes on record yesterday saying it's not MLS's responsibility to develop American players. Okay, um, if that's the case, which has been the Premier League's premise, and we're going to get to the Premier League in our future topic of the week, um, then uh, I, I don't know where the U.S. turns. Because if MLS is on this course where they're, they're all going to be clubs like Atlanta United with very few, you know, Greg Garza obviously starts for them, but very few significant American players that are in the national team pool, uh, but a, a top team, notwithstanding the loss to Minnesota the other night. Um, then the U.S. Soccer Federation is going to have to look for uh, for another option for player development. So we'll see. A lot's going to a lot of talking points are going to come out of this, regardless of the results. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, we, we'll be previewing uh, some of the coverage that's going to be coming up uh, for these final two games in a little bit, and then also, I'm sure next week's podcast we'll be discussing not just only the U.S. performance, uh, but also in terms of the the broadcast uh, from ESPN and BN Sports for these games. So, Kartik, let's kick, kick it off. Um, actually, for, for listeners who haven't had a chance to listen to this show before, and this may be their first time, what we do is we talk about the coverage of, of soccer, uh, whether it's on television, online, or apps. And we oftentimes talk about the broadcasting and the commentating and uh, how well or not so well uh, that's going for a lot of these broadcasters, as well as, as cord cutting, giving advice and giving some tips in terms of uh, how to be able to cut the cord and, and watch uh, all of the soccer uh, you want. So, Kartik, let's kick it off by just talking in terms of uh, what you've been watching this past week. Yeah, um, started the week with the well, last Thursday with the Bate Borislav Arsenal game. Ross Fletcher and Alexi Lawless. I thought it was a good broadcast. Uh, Lawless, Lawless is a hit or, hit or miss. I mean, he's either really good or he's really bad. He's into a broadcast and into a game, or he's just not interested, right? And we, I think we talk about this all the time. He was into this game. He was into seeing some of Arsenal's younger players and um, how. Um, Wenger and Arsenal would embrace Europa League. So he had a, he had a good day. He was good. Uh, and Fletcher, as usual, was good. So this was a good broadcast. Um, it was an entertaining game. Uh, that game was followed by the Everton game <laughs> on uh, on uh, Fox or on FS1. And that was, um, that was a good broadcast. Uh, uh, Keith Costigan doing an Everton game. Uh, Costigan's been working uh, uh, incredible hours, it seems, for Fox recently. Uh, but uh, again, another disappointing performance for Everton. So that was a uh, that was a a, uh, a tough one. Then on um, um, then on Saturday, I watched the Huddersfield Spurs match. You know, I want to I want to th- say I watched a Bundesliga match on Friday, but um, I'm blanking out on it. So we'll we'll just skip that. It's obviously wasn't memorable enough for me to uh, to discuss. But um, Huddersfield Spurs. Wish I hadn't woken up for that uh, for that match. Although Spurs are looking very very good. Um, and then uh, turned from NBC, uh, the Premier League games at uh, 10 o'clock Eastern just weren't very appealing. Uh, Dortmund was on uh, FS1 
watched that game, uh, Augsburg and Dortmund, and it was a very good game. Uh, Augsburg gave BVB all they could handle, uh, but Dortmund won. They're uh, uh, on 19 points. They're plus 19 in goal difference under Peter Bosch, their new manager, and five points clear in the Bundesliga. So uh, looking like, at least early on, they're one of uh, um, the most formidable sides in Europe, even though they're not necessarily playing well in Champions League. Go back to NBCSN for Chelsea Man City. Uh, disappointing that this game was on NBCSN. Maybe we can discuss that uh, later on it's rather than being on uh, NBC over the air because I believe there was the president. Yes, there was the President's Cup going on, uh, which, if you don't know, is a contrived event. Now it doesn't seem as contrived because it's about two decades old, but it's between the U.S. team in golf and the world team. But the world team doesn't include players from the European Union because, of course, they play in the Ryder Cup. So kind of confusing. It's players from Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, uh, wherever else they play golf, Argentina, India, uh, it, it, they're just these random places where golf is a is a commonplace sports outside the uh, outside of Europe. Uh, so to me, it's it, it's disappointing that this game was preempted for that. Then I have to say, I mean, gr- great match, right? Particularly from my perspective as a city supporter, <laughs> um, there is no post game show. And, you know, I'm dying to hear what Musto and Earl are are, are going to talk about, particularly given Musto's uh, understanding of Pep Guardiola's tactics and having uh, watched uh, 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 covered him, particularly when he was at Barcelona. But also, I think Musto knows a thing or two about Bayern, but really covered him closely in those days when he was with ESPN, when he was at Barcelona. He has more of an insight into Pep's tactics and Pep's mind than uh, just about anyone who covers the Premier League, uh, whether it be in this country or in the UK, honestly. Uh, no postgame show, right? They went off to auto racing or something and then no match of the day by the time nbc comes back the next morning for arsenal brighton the focus is on arsenal brighton we never got any kind of significant analysis from one of the biggest matches of the season a season between the uh, you know a team that's won two of the last three titles and the team that is the favorite this season um on nbc and to me that's just very disappointing i mean what are your thoughts about that yeah, well, well, this one there the was goals on, so um, and and it's interesting. But it was on it was on NBC Sports dot com, right? I, I believe. Right. So, so if you're in front of if you're in front of a television, right? Um, yeah, that makes it very difficult, and it's 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 not seamless after a game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, it, it, for me, it was um, again. I'm back in a- AYSO land, so uh, often times a lot of my Saturday mornings now are uh, spent uh, at the fields with my, my kids, kind of watching them play, getting them ready for games, etc. So, so I, if, if at any time I'm kind of uh, time shifting, this this is it. This is the time of year I'm, I'm doing it. Um, so I was able to. Um, Watch the West Ham United against Swansea game on NBC Sports Gold. Then I had a rush to to a game, and then I came back. But by the time I got back, it was I think about three o'clock, four o'clock, actually maybe even five o'clock. So I was able to watch um, Goal Zone uh, through Fubo. I was able to go in and kind of just uh, backtrack and, and watch it through there. So actually, with it being on Fubo though, Kartik. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. So I had to log into the NBCSports.com website using my Fubo login, and then I was able to watch Goalzone through there. So yeah, you're, you're, it, you're right. It wasn't so, on, so it it on, been on television. Yeah, right. it, it's a definitely a missed opportunity, uh, especially with a, such a high caliber game. I mean, I mean, best game of the season uh, thus far in a, in a high profile game. 
uh, yeah, it's it's just another missed opportunity it's from just, NBC. It's just there. a lack of consistency that's bothering me, and I, and I think uh, what happened is when NBC got the Premier League rights, they didn't have that many sporting properties on uh, NBCSN. Now they have more and more, so they're 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 times are preempting. Uh, post-game shows, uh, they're not able to, uh, in this case, accommodate. And it's funny, they whatever game is uh, scheduled for 5.30 UK time, they throw on NBC over the air. Finally, one week where they can't, they get the biggest game of the season to this point. So, I guess in a way, I guess in a way, though, for us to be complaining, uh, complaining about missing the post-game coverage uh, shows how well NBC has done in terms of analysis. Because if this was Fox, we, we wouldn't care we'd like okay mr post-match who cares there's probably right. very little analysis or any uh uh intelligence going into that type of post-match broadcast so um i guess it's a good problem to have um but uh it, it's it's interesting too because think back to when we st- first started watching nbc sports network at that time um i think i had never watched that channel until the premier league came on and i started watching of course the premier league on, on nbc sports network at the time and most of the programming they had outside of that was like outdoors programming. So they had hunting, they had fishing, and they had uh, some of the, the infomercials or commercials they had. They had uh, one for this, I think, uh, knife that could pierce through fish, and you'd see all this, and, and, and through animals, and you'd see all this blood and carcass on on <laughs> on the show, like minutes before the Premier League would kick off. So, so in many ways, NBC has, uh, in terms of the Premier League, has uh, it's elevated the coverage where they're being able to show a lot more sports and it's made the whole entire channel much better uh, and more popular. But at the same time, like you said, Kartik, it's made it where they got so much. Well, not, they have other sports programming that kind of high profile that it does run run into uh, what they're covering and, and kind of shortcuts the the Premier League coverage uh, to a certain extent. And I think this is a byproduct of the end of uh, auto racing season, the end of uh, the golf season. It's over now for all intents and purposes with the President's Cup and uh, their their coverage of Notre Dame football. So they even bumped their Notre Dame kickoff against Miami of Ohio back to 5 or 5.30 because of the President's Cup this weekend. So I, I think there is a confluence of events that, puts them in this box. They'll probably come out of it in the next uh, few weeks and have a more orderly programming schedule. But it's just it's just frustrating because there was no match of the day Saturday night, at least that I that my DVR picked up. Now, Sunday, it did pick things up, but there was no analysis on that because they were trying to cram all of the games from the weekend, uh, not just the three Sunday games, into their post game. So that um, that was frustrating. Um, go, moving on, uh, watched uh, the North Carolina-Orlando game on the Go90 uh, platform, uh, women's game and WSL game, was a showdown, a potential pro- preview of the uh, NWSL Cup final, which will be in a week and a half in Orlando. And uh, Orlando got out to a 2-0 lead, uh, Lynn Williams, and uh, North Carolina came back, evened it up at 2-2. Wasn't the greatest broadcast, not the uh, not the best camera work, but uh, it was a game I wanted to watch. The next day, Hertha Berlin-Bayern on FS1, really good uh Really good game. Hertha Berlin gets a point. Uh, another more drop points for Bayern, who now uh, since uh, this uh, that game have uh, uh, or it's been reported that Jan Pinkins is uh, coming back to the club for one more yeah. go around as manager. Uh, apparently, according to Raf Honingstein, uh, 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 Honus wanted uh, well. Raminigay wanted Tuchel, and Honus wanted um, uh, 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 the 
Ooh, I'm blanking on his name, the young manager at Hoffenheim. So they couldn't agree yeah, on Julian. those two. Uh, Nagelsmann, yeah. Right, right, right. Right, so they uh, they went for the compromise, which is to uh, <laughs> to bring Heinkins in for the rest of the season and let right. those two duke it out. And probably they'll hire one of the two after the season, but it'll be the job of one of the two big wigs at uh, Bayern to convince the other huh. of their choice. Um, I, w- so- I, w- I would say, though, Kotick, I, I mean, just kind of um- – just to catch up a little bit in terms of what I've been watching too, but that Hertha Berlin Bayern game, and this is for the first time in a very, very long time for me, I made a conscious effort to actually watch this game uh, instead of uh, watching a Premier League game, which was on at the same time. Uh, and this is the one I selected, and actually I wasn't able to watch the whole match because I had, a, I had my son's birthday party, so I had to go, rush off to that. But uh, instead of watching the Everton-Burnley match, I watched this one, and I thought the coverage from Fox was fantastic. Uh, everything from Kate Abdo and Eric Ronaldo dressed up in Lederhosen, uh, live at the Oktoberfest uh, event in New York City, and just the analysis and the amount of uh, attention to detail. Um, it's, it's a first class. I was, and the match itself, I mean, that's the great thing about Bayern actually being in trouble right now. It's making the, the Bundesliga more watchable. Yeah, it's making it far more watchable. And Warren Barton was better in this game as the uh, as the co-commentator than he had been the previous time I'd seen him for a Bayern game, which was uh, a, a couple weeks ago. And I thought he was terrible in that match. Uh, it was interesting. They left Ian Joy and Alexi Lalas in L.A., um, and, and they didn't take them to New York as well, uh, along with uh, Abdo and Winaldo. That, to me, was a bit awkward, but I, I agree. It was good broadcast. I think Fox is showing a stronger commitment to the Bundesliga this season. Perhaps it's losing Champions League that's pushing them into this position where, okay, they have one major non-American club sporting property that they're going to carry beyond uh, their coverage of World Cup 2018, and it is the Bundesliga. Why don't we make the most of it? And they would have two more seasons on their contract, uh, if if I'm counting correctly, yes, after the World Cup. So uh, for whatever reason, they're making a greater commitment uh, to it. And um, it's it's paying off. Um, uh, also on Sunday, just real quickly, I watched the Milan Roma game. Good broadcast from VN. Just a dull match, um, <laughs> which uh, is happening a lot in in Italy these days when uh, matches don't involve Juventus or, uh, or or Napoli. Napoli is fantastic to watch. Uh, Juve is Juve. Uh, the rest of the league is kind of. Uh, a, uh, boring uh, at this point. Philly Seattle uh, was to me the epitome of a bad MLS game, which is a shame because um, there's been a lot of really good MLS games the last few weeks. Uh, Philadelphia won this game surprisingly, um, but this wasn't a great advert for the league. Uh, this game was on ESPN, and then real quickly, um, ESPN FC this week in studio. They've had Stuart Robson in studio all week, and I am just. I'm always blown away by Stuart Robson's knowledge when he's even when he's on the BT feeds of uh, Bundesliga games that we get in uh, NBC uh, doing uh, Premier League games with, with the exception of Arsenal games, obviously. And then um, the uh, Champions League games we get on Fox. But mm-hmm. he is in studio this week and he seems to be able to hold his own in any conversation about the U.S. men's national team or Major League Soccer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know how he does it. I mean, he must watch it. so much soccer. He must, watch, he must do nothing but watch soccer. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and maybe he's single. Maybe he's the type of guy who's, you know, I mean, it's, it's his job. He seems to love it. Uh, but he is so, he's a, such, such a smart guy. We'll have to have a, get him on the podcast one of these days, Kartik, and uh, have a chat with him. Because I don't think we've interviewed, well, maybe we did interview him way back when on the EPL Talk podcast. But it's been many, many years. 
Yeah, and I think uh, maybe the most interesting thing he said this week was not about the men's national team. Uh, this is uh, the takeaway I'll end on this note. He, uh, the, the, the whole Cavani-Neymar thing is flared back up, and Robson ended the show, I think it was on Tuesday, basically saying, even for Craig Burley, because it was even off the charts for something Burley would say, that, hey, if I were Cavani, I would let Neymar know in training. And Dan Thomas asked him, well, were you going to talk to him? He said, no, 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 I'll send a message through a tackle. <laughs> That's what Cavani should do. That's excellent. And that's how they ended the show. It was great. Wow. All right. So, so in terms of what I've, I've been watching this past week, Kartik, uh, uh, Bate Borosov against Arsenal. I, actually, let me backtrack. I'm still, again, same as last weekend, I'm still in search of a really good soccer match. So I've been channel flipping a lot to try and find some really good football. So I started off with uh, Bate uh, Borosov against Arsenal. I watched the first uh, 25 minutes. And by that point, Arsenal were 3-0 ahead. I was like, OK, this is, this is boring. So I switched over to Nice against Vitez Arnheim and um, watched this one on ESPN3 uh, using Sling Orange. And by halftime, it was 2-0 to Nice. Can, can I ask you a question sure. real quickly about this? Uh, this is a little bit off topic, but I figure people will be interested in hearing this. Do you have any issue with watching Vitesse in European competition because they are essentially a Chelsea B team just loaded up with Chelsea loanies? Uh, no, uh, but, but for me, I'm not watching it that closely. So I'm, I'm watching it. Uh, I, I mean, so it depends. Some matches I'll watch in terms of you mean knowing each player on the, on the team and looking at individual players. Uh, this one I was just watching for the, the pure enjoyment of it or in the search of pure enjoyment. So in terms of kind of any... Um, yeah, anything about the club, but I'm just watching it for the football. Okay, yeah, because there are people who say, oh, out of purity, you shouldn't be watching Vitesse in European football, and, I, and you know, I take a different answer. I think, well, great. Great for the f- fans of Vitesse. They haven't been in Europe for a while, mm-hmm. and um, if it's because of loan players from Chelsea, which we know they have an arrangement with Chelsea, where they get players on loan every season, uh, some significant ones. Matt Miazga, uh, the American internationals, they're now on yep. loan from Chelsea, among others. Um, I say more power to them, but uh, continue. Yeah, so, so I switched off from uh, Nice against Vitesse and then watched uh, Cologne against Red Star Belgrade. Again, this is Europa League and uh, watched the second half on uh, Fox Soccer Plus uh, through Fubo. And this match, uh, Red Star won it 1-0, but I just can't believe that Cologne didn't score. They they hit the post, I think, three or four times in the second half. Uh, Cologne actually looked pretty good, and uh, I was just shocked at the result. It's just one of those ones where I'm like, How c- I can't believe that Red Star won it. I uh, watched Everton against uh, Apollon, and uh, oh my god, it's, it's getting worse and worse for, for Everton. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, and I, and I, and I sensed in that game, uh, Costigan and Friedel were running out of th- negative things to say about Everton, right? Because yeah. it was so bad. Uh, it was such a bad performance. I mean, I, I, this is a good lesson in commentating, actually. I should have mentioned it when I, I brought up the game. Um, how do you get through a match where you know that 99% of the people watching your broadcast are supporting a uh, a certain team? They're not watching for Apple Elm. They're watching for Everton. And they're just so off the mark. They're so terrible that um, – the, the viewer wants you to convey that that sense of anger and frustration, um, but you have to do it in a professional way. And I think uh, I think they did a pretty good job. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it was just not an enviable place to be because, again, I think 99 percent of the people watching that broadcast in the U.S. were probably Everton fans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe maybe even more than that, more, more like 99 percent. Um 
So moving on, though, and I'll get back to Everton in a minute, but moving on, I did uh, watch the West Ham against Swansea game on NBC, NBC Sports Gold on Saturday. And, oh, my God, uh, no problems with the service, but what an awful game this was between two really awful teams. Um, Swansea, at this rate, will be going down and getting relegated if they continue to play like this. Uh, there's absolutely no creativity in midfield. Um, West Ham wasn't much better either. Uh, Renato Sanchez, so far, is, is a bust. I mean, just, just really, really uh, not at the Premier League level. And just in terms of, um, I mean, giving the ball away too many times, just uh, losing it in possession, not tracking back, not closing. Um. I mean, you see why Bayern has the problems they have when you think about him being one of their big young hopes. Because, yeah. uh, look, this Bayern team now we're finding was heavily relying on Xavi Alonso and Philip Lahm still. And still now on Robin and Ribery. Um, it's no no mystery. And, and I know this is Swansea related, but it's also to me Bayern related. It's no mystery uh, Dortmund has just blown by them now in the, in the Bundesliga and looks uh, a sure, I don't want to say a sure bet, you can never be sure, but a pretty safe bet based on what we've seen thus far to win the league uh, in Germany. Yeah, and for Swansea, I mean, thank God that they got him on loan and didn't actually sign him. So, I mean, he could get better. Uh, he has some raw skill, but uh, is far from the finished article. Uh, so I moved on, uh, watched Goalzone, as I mentioned before. Uh, and then on the Sunday, I watched Arsenal against Brighton. Another pretty unevent- uh, uneventful game. A really comfortable 2-0 win for Arsenal in this one. Uh, watched the Hertha Berlin uh, Bayern game, at least the first half. Was very impressed with that. Uh, and then I watched um, Barcelona against Las Palmas. Uh, and this one was an interesting one because of the whole Catalan referendum. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Barcelona wanted the game to be postponed. Um, and then I think BN Sports announced that the game was postponed. So I didn't turn it on. And then uh, I think about 20 minutes before the game started, um, the league refused uh, to postpone the game. So the decision was made to go ahead and kick off the match, but play it behind closed doors. So what you had was a TV broadcast, I mean, live from um, uh, the new Camp with uh, Barcelona, Las Palmas, and Phil Shane and Gary Bailey commentating uh, in, in an empty stadium. And, yeah. uh, and again, too, we've seen a few of these closed-door matches, I think, uh, earlier this year, or maybe, was it in the summer, with uh, Besiktas uh, playing in uh, Europa League qualifier, I think it was, playing in front of an empty stadium because of uh, fan problems. But to me, it's just so eerie watching a game played in in relative silence. And never it's anything turn off. like this. Ne- never anything like uh, like this where you know it's closed doors because there's stuff going on in the streets. Yeah. Um, which... Uh, y- which is being reported on on the news that you're, you're you're not comfortable with, and then obviously Barcelona itself is a uh, was for many years the only real legal form of Catalan nationalism. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I look there's been a lot of discussion this week about is Barcelona going to end up in Liga in a year or two, uh, or maybe even the Premier League, but more logically the French league uh, because of th- this situation. Um, Really, we don't know. We don't know if Barcelona and Espanyol and Girona and, and the other clubs in the in the Catalan region are going to uh, remain in La Liga beyond this season. Honestly, I mean, I think it's pretty. Sh- it's they probably will, uh, but if the Catalan Parliament uh, makes the decision that this referendum is legally binding and begins the process of trying to uh, assert their sovereignty, I think those football clubs will probably be thrown out of La Liga. 
Yeah, this is one to watch absolutely, Kartik, because, I mean, uh, I mean, La Liga really is nothing without Barcelona. I mean, essentially, yes. then you've got a one-team league. So, um, I mean, La Liga would be, I wouldn't be unwatchable, but it would be, I mean, not the same by any means. Uh, and I couldn't see Barcelona and, and the other teams in the Catalan region playing in uh, Ligue 1. Um, I mean, if anything, this would probably maybe uh, speed up the opportunity for a Super League, kind of a European Super League, yeah. having a Barcelona featured in this amongst the other teams. But, uh, yeah, this is going to be a thorny issue and definitely one to watch. And um, in Spain... And, and I know the whole issue of Catalonia is, um, it, it, within FIFA is, is a big deal because I know the U.S., yeah. you remember this, it was about 10 years ago where Sunil Galati arranged a friendly with uh, with Catalonia, with Jan Cruyff, actually was still alive at the time and was running the Catalan Federation, or, you know, unofficial federation, right? Right. Um, and the U.S. had to cancel that friendly because Spain basically said, hey, we won't play the United States in any competition mm-hmm. if you go, go go ahead with that friendly. So I, I remember yeah. that uh, as an issue. And if Catalonia applied for FIFA membership, if there would be some sort of problem. Um, and, and, and we already see the reception PK is getting this week. Uh, uh, in Madrid at Spain training. And, that, and that's the thing, though, too, is, is Spain is not going to back off on this one. So they're going to come down hard on uh, the Catalonia uh, area. So they're not going to let C- Catalonia go. I mean, so it, it's, yeah, this is a kind of a political thorny issue, um, definitely with soccer ramifications, but uh, definitely one to keep an eye on. And uh, I'm, I'm sure next week we'll, we'll probably have more to talk about in regards to this. And then lastly, Kartik, just two more things. So I watched the first half of the Barcelona-Las uh, Palmas game, switched it over because playing in front of a, an empty stadium, it's just there's no atmosphere, just, it's, it's not fun to watch on television. I switched over to Burnley against uh, Everton in the second half. And the only reason I wanted to watch this game was to see if this was going to be uh, Ronald Koeman's last game in charge for Everton. And there's just, this is just a – it's not a bad team. It's just the team is playing badly in terms of just low in confidence, uh, just grabbing at straws, you mean, just, just really just not, not, not functional, really. It's just a, a complete mess. Um, but I wanted to watch it just in case that was Koeman's last game in charge. And then last but not least, uh, Newcastle against Liverpool. Uh, I watched, I think, the first half of this one, but then had a run to get everything ready for my, my son's uh, birthday party. And I missed the second half. But uh, from what I saw in the first half, it was it was pretty decent. But I was still missing that kind of complete 90 minutes of really great uh, football. And we'll get back into that in, in a little bit in uh, one of our later segments. Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. Yeah, so uh, Sports Illustrated uh, uh, earlier this week revealed a couple more details about Fox's World Cup plans uh, for this upcoming summer in Russia. Fox will be sending 450 people to Russia to work the production of the tournament, which is the largest production in the network's history. Uh, Plus, they'll be requesting an on-camera interview with Vladimir Putin. Let's see if they get that. Um, Putin has done one U.S. interview in recent years, and it was with uh, Oliver Stone, (laughs) which, uh, well, by the way, I mean, I would recommend if people are interested in politics, them watching 
that. It was on Showtime. If you get Showtime or have access to Showtime, it was well done and it was uh, produced well. But uh, uh, Stone is sympathetic, right, to to Putin. So that's why um, or sympathetic to basically any kind of like anti-American cause. <laughs> so he, you know, that's he did an interview with Hugo Chavez a few years ago. So that's um, the kind of person he sits down with. I don't know if Fox will uh, Fox will get that. Um, there's um, also, I think, been more of an effort to um, to get the teams ready for the World Cup on Fox. This is the thing I forgot to mention in the last segment. Mark Followell and Tony Miola did the Bundesliga game on Friday, uh, and uh, they're developing chemistry as a team, uh, as a partnership. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the uh, broadcast teams that's sent to Russia for this World Cup. Yeah, I love Tony Miola as a player um, and, and as a person. He seems like a, like a great guy, but uh, to me, he's not the finished article. So if, if that's if you're putting in kind of a beat B level into your World Cup coverage, uh, and that's disappointing because there's, there's lots of opportunities. Well, for well, I mean, let me say this: I mean, the, all these former U.S. goalkeepers have become commentators. Miola, who I think has got some qualities, Friedel, who's got some qualities. Casey Keller is again on the, in the ESPN FC studio this week. Chris, mm-hmm. he is on fire. I mean, he, he he knows his stuff in and out and isn't afraid to say uh, things. Now, I've heard this from fans in MLS of Seattle who say, hey, he's too critical of the league. He's too critical of all this stuff. I wonder if Keller isn't getting the kind of gigs that others, um, you know, guys he played with get because of his um, – his tenor towards um, uh, these things and, and being critical. And I would suggest people watch ESPN FC if they want uh, some really good critical analysis from a former U.S. international of our system, of the mistakes that are being made, maybe squad selection tactically, and then just some general observations. Uh, uh, he, this is the second or third straight international break where he has really impressed me. All right, so moving on to other news. Uh, Coverage plans for the final two USA World Cup qualifiers. So Friday night at 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN2. The kickoff time is supposed to be about 7.30, 7.35. Ian Dark and uh, analyst uh, Taylor Twelman will uh, provide match commentary with sideline reporters Julie Stewart-Binks and Sebastian Salazar. And then you've got uh, host uh, Max Bretos and analyst Casey Keller. And Hercules Gomez will be on, on site for pregame, halftime, and postgame shows. And uh, they will also contribute segments on Sports Center and ESPN FC throughout the day. Then on Tuesday at night at 8 o'clock Eastern, it's Trinidad and Tobago against the United States. And this game is going to be on BN Sports and Universo. So uh, be in sports for the English language and Universo for the Spanish language, uh, depending on what happens on Friday night. Well, Tuesday night is going to matter anyway. Uh, even if the U.S. wins on, on uh, Friday, uh, that's going to make Tuesday more important. And uh, the U.S. is probably going to need uh, at least a draw out of that final game to, to make it through. Um, two wins would be perfect. But in terms of who's going to be announcing this game and who's actually going to be the talent, uh, BN Sports has not made an uh, announcement yet. But um, if you do ha- want to watch this game, which most of us will in the United States, uh, be sure to make your plans uh, early so you can be sure to watch this one. Uh, BN Sports is available in a lot of places, but if not, um, we've got all the, the TV listings and links on uh, worldsoccertalk.com. 
Right, and and of course you can, as you said, watch the game on Universo, which I think a lot of people who don't get BN Sports might get and not realize they get that channel. Yeah, one one more thing, Kartik, too, is this weekend is uh, the FIFA U17 World Cup, and it kicks off Friday, uh, October 6th, and it goes through till uh, Saturday, October 28th. Uh, The TV coverage will be on FS1, FS2, and Fox Soccer Plus, plus uh, Telemundo, Universo, and the Telemundo Deportes and Vivo app uh, will broadcast all the matches live, uh, presenting more than 110 hours of coverage across platforms. And uh, this tournament is going to be hosted in India. Yeah, a big moment for Indian football uh, after uh, uh, India has qualified for one tournament uh, that I can recall in the last uh, 30 or 40 years, which was the uh, 2011 Asian Cup in Qatar and and didn't do very well. But uh, this is a big moment for Indian football to be hosting this this competition. with uh, ratings down, moving on, uh, the, the Columbus crew has agreed to an extended 2018 television deal with uh, Sinclair, which includes a number of local affiliates. Uh, this is a, a continuation of, of the deal they've had this year, but their ratings have been down locally. And uh, this, uh, this package allows them to show games on a couple of uh, uh, local affiliates, including the My, uh, My 35 affiliate, I believe it is, my, uh, or My whatever, My TV affiliate, and uh, a couple of other local over-the-air channels that are owned by Sinclair Broadcasting. Yeah, and one of the quotes in, in the article that we were reading from the Columbus Dispatch uh, says, uh, from one of the executives, says, consecutive 0.1 ratings during our push for the playoffs is a humble reminder and source of motivation for me personally, but it directly speaks out to our need to battle for relevance on TV and at the box office. So it looks like uh, in terms of uh, TV ratings and uh, tickets are down in Columbus in a market that used to be a flagship market for MLS, and um, unfortunately, it's going through some tough this times. This has happened happened through a lot in a lot of places where MLS has uh, been around for 20 years. Columbus, DC, DC is getting a new stadium next year, so they'll get a bump. But uh, you you see it even in Los Angeles, San Jose. The league left for a few years, but it's in spite of having a new stadium there, I think the level of support and interest is very stagnant. Colorado, etc. It's um, it's worrying because we we constantly talk about how well uh, Seattle does and Orlando does and Atlanta does, but uh, there are just markets that are being left behind in in this new MLS. Yeah, well, New England Revolution is, is New probably... England, the biggest example. <laughs> right. That that, that makes yeah. Columbus look very good, actually. Which is true. Uh, which is which is sad, but but they've they've turned into a laughing stock. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's a joke on and off the field, and uh, nothing seems to ever get done. So it's. Uh, yeah, for everything that MLS is doing right, there's still a lot of huge issues that they're, they're not addressing. Uh, moving on, Kartik, we, we talked about before uh, earlier in this podcast about um, NBC's challenge in just trying to uh, have enough, uh, a lot of competition from a lot of other sports competing with the Premier League and kind of reducing the amount of Premier League coverage at times. Well, the good news is that F1, Formula One rights have uh, will move from NBC to ESPN in a new multi-year rights deal. And this means we're less likely to see some of those Sunday morning EPL games bumped uh, to CNBC in the future. And it's more likely that they'll, they'll continue to be on uh, NBCSN. And then, Kartik, uh, last but not least, uh, one more piece of news. Yeah, um, 
that's the Univision Deportes Network has announced uh, that their TV ratings uh, were, were – I mean I found this kind of uh, curious when I saw this because it's just for Q3. Um, they're up more than 50 percent in Q3 uh, 2017 compared to um, – Q3 of last year, 2016. Uh, this third quarter saw UDN uh, average 187,000 viewers, beating English language competitors Fox Sports One and NBCSN. Uh, I think a lot of this has to do with the uh, Liga MX matches. Uh, on UDN, uh, telecast of Liga MX football matches averaged 255,000 total viewers, besting uh, MLB on the MLB network by 14%. Uh, MLS on Univision's flagship channels, Univision and Unimas, averaged 210 total viewers, up 24% from the prior year. This has been the best quarter ever for MLS football network uh, viewership on the Univision networks. In fact, Q3 2017 is on pace to be MLS's most viewed season ever on the leading Spanish language network. Uh, Univision has had MLS rights for most of its history. There was a short period of time where the rights passed to Telemundo. So this is basically like 17 or 18 seasons, um, which would be the best. Um, Bundesliga, which is the latest sports property to join Univision Deportes' ever-growing portfolio, debuted with a bang this quarter. Uh, the September 17th face-off between Borussia Dortmund and Cologne on Unimas, uh, which saw, obviously, the, the top team in the league, Dortmund, uh, de defeating Cologne, who's the worst team in the league uh, thus far this season, maybe one of the worst teams in top flight in Europe. 5-0, uh, delivered 159,000 total viewers, making it the most viewed Bundesliga face-off on any sports network in quarter three of 2017, although there were, I have to say, um, and we'll get into this in a minute, there are a lot of Fox games in the in Bundesliga that have cleared 100,000 this year. So it may just be a matter of time before Fox delivers a game on FS1 that, that uh, bests 159,000. Maybe not, but that's uh, uh, it's attainable, whereas a year ago would have sounded absurd to even think, contemplate it. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the definitely the goal. And then let's move on. Actually, it's a perfect segue to move on to TV ratings. So um, the big match we just talked about uh, earlier in this broadcast was the Hertha Berlin against Bayern Munich game, and that one had, I believe, uh, this is the best number for the Bundesliga this season as of yet, and probably actually since uh, the Bundesliga began on, on US TV uh, through Fox. Um, on, on kind of on cable, not on uh, over the air. But uh, Hertha Berlin against Bayern Munich had uh, 236,000 people that watched that game. 129,000 of those were on Unamas, and then you had uh, 24,000 on Univision Deportes Network, and then 83,000 on FS1. How, how do you explain uh, bigger numbers in Spanish than in English for some Bundesliga games? Uh, I, th I think it's one of those things that uh, I mean Spanish. Network is more soccer centric anyway, so I think in terms of just the the population of the United States, I think soccer fans in general, especially uh, Hispanic soccer fans, are more likely to be watching Unamas or uh, UDN or Univision, and if there's a soccer game on, they'll watch it. Uh, versus FS1, where you you got a mix of what NASCAR fans, baseball fans, you mean football fans, yeah, yeah, and, and then soccer sense. fans. It's kind of a, a different uh, a different crowd. And, and on, on the Univision side, you mean soccer def definitely by far is the most popular sport. On FS1, soccer is probably what number three or number four most popular sport. So, um, yeah. and, and it was Bayern Munich too. So I mean, it's definitely that's going to attract a lot of people. But uh, yeah, so the numbers that's a great number for uh, for the Bundesliga overall. 
The other number two Kartik that I was uh, looking at, which was impressive, was the Orlando City against FC Dallas game. Uh, this was on Univision Deportes Network and the Univision Over the Air Network, which usually is massive numbers, but still 313,000 people watched this game uh, for an MLS game on, uh, I think it was on Saturday afternoon. And then the big numbers, Kartik, uh, 955,000 watched uh, Toluca against uh, Club America on Univision and Univision Deportes Network. Um, Chelsea against Man City on NBCSN. And uh, Univoso was 664,000. And uh, any other, other numbers jump out at you, Kartik? Yeah, um, that, that Orlando game, uh, uh, that game is now uh, shrouded in controversy as FC Dallas appears to have fielded an ineligible player. So we'll see what happens with that. I thought that the uh, 184,000 for Arsenal Brighton was uh, particularly poor, even though it was a 7 a.m. Eastern time game. Uh, Arsenal is, I thought, one of the drivers of, of uh, interest in the Premier League. If Manchester United were playing in that time slot, I think we would have seen 300,000 viewers, honestly, well, uh, even though it's 4 a.m. on the East Coast. So I, I don't know. There, there's so many frustrated Arsenal fans now, and I hate to keep harping on this, but yeah. I think there are a lot of Arsenal fans who just aren't going to make the effort to, wa- to get up to watch them that early. Well, I think the other thing, though, too, I mean, you look at, say, the last five, well, look at the last five years, definitely, is that without any shadow of a doubt is that Tottenham Hotspur have marketed themselves much, much better than Arsenal has. So Spurs have been coming here on, on tours more often. They've been interacting with, with the media more often. Um, and Arsenal, you mean, coming over for that, uh, I mean, one game here, one game there. It's it's a very... Oh, I think in just in general, again, every week it seems like I meet in my other lines of work uh, Spurs fans and uh, newer fans to the Premier League or predominantly Spurs fans. Some are Everton fans, but uh, I think Spurs have probably marketed themselves, Chris, maybe this is a conversation for another time, better than any... European club in the United States, given their, their their limitations and their resources, you could make that argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then looking at the TV numbers too, uh, two hundred forty nine thousand people tuned in for the Huddersfield Spurs game on NBCSN uh, and Universal. at a similar time. At a similar, similar time, right? Correct. Exactly. So that's a good point. Yeah. And uh, one more number to throw out there is the Newcastle against Liverpool match on NBCSN and Telemundo. Uh, that one that one had six hundred and six thousand viewers uh, over two hundred thousand of those viewers were on Telemundo so without any shadow of a doubt again uh, the Spanish language numbers are really boosting uh, everything from the Premier League to I mean Liga MX of course but also the Bundesliga some 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 positive numbers and, and MLS of course yeah I think uh, uh, Latino soccer fans in the United States will watch soccer if it's on television that's the thing we're finding. Yeah. Uh, they don't care where the league is from, what league it is. There's, they're so, so knowledgeable about the sport that if they flip on a Premier League game or a Bundesliga game, there are, there are two or three or four players they'll recognize regardless, uh, even if they're not particularly interested in Newcastle United. They, they'll uh, – they'll be able to follow the game. So this is a, a real positive, I think, uh, as we try and push soccer into the mainstream realm in, a, in American sports. Um, in the thing I and – I, and I'm going to sound off here for a second, Chris, indulge me. I am re- really wish the mainstream English language media and the people who host SportsCenter and write for um, – 
write, write for uh, the websites and uh, who host uh, uh, shout shows on FS1 and on ESPN and on NBCSN would take into account the Spanish language ratings for football matches in this country and realize there are more people watching the sport than you think there are. There is an audience, potential audience for you if you talk more about our sport yep. uh, that you could bring into your network and into your programs. Uh, some of them are dinosaurs. They don't want to think that way, but uh, I wish they would look at these ratings and see how, how many uh, uh, viewers even just random games are attracting. Good timing, Kartik, because that was the one point I forgot to mention on the the, the uh, debate we had a couple of weeks ago about whether or not soccer is a niche sport in the United States. And that was the one thing I forgot to mention was uh, were, were in terms of the Spanish language numbers uh, for soccer. If you look at the Spanish lang- language numbers, you can see, in my opinion, that soccer is not a niche sport. It is a mainstream sport. It's just not in the, the mainstream I can, conversation. I can agree with that. I actually 100% agree with that, and I wish I had brought it up or we had gone there because because my point is, it is, if you look at those numbers, but the um, coverage on the um, opinion, the things that, that, that uh, kind of sway opinion, the television programs on ESPN and FS1 and these other networks don't reflect that. So somehow we need to, we need to break through the gl- uh, glass ceiling and, uh, and, and tell them and say, hey, you need to cover soccer. Look, there's, uh, there are important topics. You know, the, the whole uh, Cavani, uh, Neymar thing at PSG, if that had happened in American sports, they would be all over it. They'd be spending days on it. Mm-hmm. The controversy about, uh, about who takes that penalty kick. Uh, and there is a significant audience in this country interested in that, that they're neglecting. So maybe it's their loss. Maybe uh, as time goes on, the shows on Univision and Telemundo will become the mainstream shows if they don't pay attention to this. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to Listener Mailbag. And uh, the first one is from Ian Jett uh, through Twitter. And he says, I have a few thoughts on the World Soccer Talk podcast from last week. He says, uh, NBC has Mike Tirico. Um, uh, they want to give Arlo White a break from play-by-play. Also, I agree, it says uh, Fox should use the world feed for the Facebook Live broadcast instead of the commentary from uh, Mario Melchiot and, and Brian Dunseth. Yeah, um, I liked uh, the job Dunny did on the on those broadcasts, so I'd like to keep him on there. Maybe he should be partnered with someone else. Um, on the Tariko thing, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to why we haven't seen Tariko pop up on Premier League coverage at all. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe he will at some point in the future, but uh, he's had Olympics and uh, and. Uh, the Open Championship golf and uh, I guess probably NFL and I, I don't really see him besides that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure he'd love to do it and it's one of those things that uh, it could cause a problem if they did bring him in and he was such a, a big success that they'd probably wonder then, okay, well, what are we going to do uh, kind of with Arlo? You mean? It, yeah, I, I've been surprised. He hasn't been he hasn't been used very much on their golf coverage. And for years, when ABC, uh, ABC and ESPN obviously are the same, uh, have the same parent company. For years, when ABC had PGA Tour rights, uh, rights to some PGA Tour tournaments before they lost those rights, uh, he hosted uh, their golf coverage. So um, he's just, I guess he's just not being used. I, uh, there was always the crit- critique of Tariko when he was at ESPN that he was overexposed, that they used him on every sport. Uh, he covered, uh, he did college basketball. He did the NBA. He did uh, college football. He did he did Thursday night college football games. He did NFL. He did soccer. He did uh, he did everything but tennis. He did golf. Uh, he probably didn't do baseball, but he was there. Was critiques, the columns written that he was over, that he was suffering from overexposure. So maybe NBC is conscious of that, and they're 
just mm-hmm. um, you know keeping his schedule more manageable. Yeah, at the same time, though, too, you could argue that Arla White, um, in terms of overexposure at NBC, I mean, do you know average yeah, well, of right. two to three games a weekend? So, But let's move on. The next comment is from AFC in NYC uh, through Twitter, and he says that uh, a big problem for NBC Sports uh, are days like today, and he's looking back, I think, uh, last week or a week before. He says, uh, Man United will spank uh, Crystal Palace, and there are no other Premier League games on TV. I'm watching the Bundesliga and Liga earn instead. If NBC Sports wants to slow the growth of the Premier League in the United States, lack of choice and greed are the ways to do it, because if if I don't pay enough already for my cable bill, NBC Sports wants to make sure that I have to pay more for games I had in the past. And Kartik, before you mention anything on that, we're going to, that's a perfect segue to go into our feature topic of the week. But before we do, um, so if uh, any of the listeners, if you do have any questions, comments, feedback, you name it, we'd love to read it out on air. You can email us at web at worldsoccertalk.com, through Twitter at wsoccertalk or through Facebook at facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. Now, Kartik, um, the comments on Twitter from AFC and NYC is a perfect segue because uh, I'm, I'm here to argue that this Premier League season is one of the, the most unwatchable in many years because there are too many one-sided blowouts. And just looking back at the last seven game weeks of uh, the Premier League season, now that we're in international break, here are just some of the score lines. Man United 4, West Ham 0, Swansea 0, Man United 4, Liverpool 4, Arsenal 0, Man City 5, Liverpool 0, Watford 0, Man City 6, Man United 4, Everton 0, Stoke 0, Chelsea 4, Man City 5, Crystal Palace 0, Huddersfield 0, Spurs 4, Man United 4, Crystal Palace 0. Now, the one thing in common for all of these games is that it's a completely one-sided domination by the winning team and zero goals scored by the opposition. And if you're a fan of Man United or Man City, like yourself, Kartik, you're probably on cloud nine. But for the neutrals and for the fans of the, the other teams getting just d- demolished, it's a complete turn off. Well, 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 no. Actually, I would tell you as a Man City fan, it's a complete turn off because I, 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 I've uh, not it's not necessary for me to watch these games as uh, closely or thoroughly as I previously have. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I mean, you have concentration lapses of fan and you start channel surfing. And, and uh, for me, I don't know what cable service people's ha- people have, but uh, FS1 is one channel below uh, NBCSN. So I'm just like, yeah, see what's going on in the Bundesliga. I can't be this bad. Now, of course, if Dortmund's playing, it's usually 4-0 or 5-0 also. But, um, Chris, this started last season. There was a 15-point gap between 7th and 8th place in the league. And there are so many people who and, – and I don't quite get this culture in this country. So many people who, who like leagues more than they like clubs and, and, and teams. And I think it comes from college sports where well, – NFL. Uh, yeah, or they are for NFL, or they become SEC fans or ACC fans. We see it in soccer. Uh, MLS fans won't watch NASL. NASL fans uh, won't watch MLS. And both uh, sets of fans have uh, stereotypes about the other league, where which are, to me, completely off base. Um, there are so many Premier League fans in the United States who have argued with me over the last six months about how great the league is, how competitive it is, and what 
I cite the 15-point gap between 7th and 8th. Oh, it was a one-off. All the, the, the bottom teams in England are better than the bottom teams in Germany and Spain, which, by the way, I don't believe that at all. I, I think uh, a club like Wolfsburg, uh, a club uh, would not have struggled the way in the, they did it in the Bundesliga last season in the Premier League, uh, when you consider how bad the bottom of the Premier League was. You had a team that finished 8th in the league last season on 46 points. But just think about that. These games, this started last season where games, they weren't 4-0 and 5-0, but there were very, they were fewer and fewer upsets where teams uh, who were 12th or 13th or 14th in the league beat, uh, beat Chelsea. It was, to me, pretty amazing the run Chelsea went on. It was a historic run considering they dropped so many points early in the season and they finished with, I think, the second or third most points in Premier League history. But that was... Uh, to me, uh, very uh, an indictment of the quality of the league. And then you saw at Spurs, the way they started the season poorly, and then from middle of September on, uh, probably had one of the best runs until the end of the season in Premier League history and finished second. Mm-hmm. Uh, the league has gotten less and less competitive, uh, and it doesn't seem to make sense because with the TV money that's flown in or that's flowed into the league from the domestic TV package. There's uh, disputes over the foreign TV money. We've talked about that um, last week or the week before, and that's to be resolved. Uh, that's a uh, topic of discussion actually this week within the Premier League. But um, you would think that the league would have become more competitive. We had the great story of Leicester. I think we had in Slavin Bilic's first year, West Ham, they finished seventh, but they were, they were pushing fourth or fifth uh, until the very end of the season. Uh, now, there's just not... Um, the gap is, 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 is enormous. Yeah. It, it, is, it is more likely you're going to see... Real Madrid drop points if you watch a Real Madrid game on VN Sports than any of these teams, Chelsea, uh, Man United, Man City, Tottenham, unless they're playing one another. Well, that's that's the thing, though, too, is that the TV money has gotten much bigger. So you would think that the clubs, I mean, the other uh, 14 clubs or you know, the 16 clubs, however you look at it, would have more money to spend, which which they are, uh, so they can go out and get better players. But what's happened is the opposite, where the TV re- revenue has gotten so huge in the Premier League, the clubs now are more risk adverse. They don't want to open up the games too much in case they lose and get relegated, missing out on, yeah. mil- on millions. So as a result, there's less creativity. Instead, they're focusing more on the shape on the on the pitch and uh many times parking the bus and and just trying to um have a lot of boring games love nil nil games i mean i can't believe how bad southampton is for instance and and when i go through the league chris and i start thinking with friends that i talk to uh who could be relegated this season i come up with a list of like 10 teams that was never the case before and i'm thinking to myself look uh brighton isn't particularly strong huddersfield uh, isn't particularly strong and newcastle we know rafa wasn't able to spend any money but the three teams who came up they might stay up because the league is so poor you might have actually all three newly promoted teams stay in the division, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, because, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. Risk aversion. Um, look, a, a club like yours, Swansea, uh, we're, we're known for playing good football. Now I think they're just uh, like any other club that's uh, trying to grind out results. Uh, once they give up a goal, uh, 
they, they, they give up three or four. Unlike uh, if they don't give up a goal like against Spurs, then they're able to see out a very boring nil-nil draw. Right. Yeah. But um, that's kind of the norm in the league. I, I don't mean to pick on Swansea. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, trust me, I'll pick on them. Uh, I, I mean, to me, it's very pragmatic. And it's not just Swansea. I mean, like you mentioned Southampton. I mean, Crystal Palace, of course. But uh, Swansea, West Ham, many others. It's a very pragmatic style. And to me, even as a Swansea City supporter for my entire life, it's getting really difficult watching that team. I will watch every game. I'll watch every minute. I'll, I'll, I'll be there. But even for me as a Swansea fan, I'm getting bored. So for the, the neutral or fans of other clubs, I mean, it, must, it must be really difficult. I mean, who wants to watch that? Uh, the other thing, Karthik, is to compound the issue, NBC Sports Gold makes the experience worse. Because in the past, if you were watching a blowout and you wanted to change the channel to a different channel, maybe from NBCSN on, on a Saturday morning uh, between 10 and noon Eastern time, you could flip over to CNBC. Uh, sometimes, even a couple of years ago, you could flip over to USA. You'd have three games on at once. So even if the game was boring or a blowout, you could switch a channel and, and watch uh, other matches. Now there are far fewer, cho- fewer choices available on TV because NBC Sports Gold has gobbled up usually three or four games a weekend. So if you don't have NBC Sports Gold, you're more than likely then to, to look for other games are on, on. Maybe it's the Bundesliga or maybe it's La Liga or Serie A. Uh, so it's actually in some ways hurting NBC Sports, having NBC Sports gold, because of all these blowouts, there's far fewer alternatives uh, in the Premier League. And, and the TV numbers reflect that too, because the Premier League has seen a recent dip in viewership in, in, the, in the United States. It's averaging about 442,000 viewers on all networks since the start of September. And this represents a 25% decrease in viewership from the uh, from the average from the month in August, which was 588,000. So even the TV numbers show a sharp decline in, uh, in viewership in the U.S. Yeah, I think people are beginning to tune this thing out. And uh, I'm, I'm just hopeful that uh, uh, the fans that argue with me all the time that the reason Premier League teams don't do well in Europe is because the league is so strong and they have to be competitive in the league and the games are more competitive and the teams in Spain and Germany don't have uh, competitive games at the weekend, which is bunk, has always been bunk to me. But um, I hope they, they realize this year if the Premier League teams don't do well in Europe and get knocked out in the round of 16 again of Champions League that those teams just aren't very good uh, by the, the standard of top European clubs uh, or maybe they're right and uh, an English team's going to win the Champions League this year or make it to the finals or the semifinals because uh, <laughs> Man United and, and Man City don't have to uh, really worry about what Watford's going to uh, is going to bring them or, or Southampton or Stoke at the weekend because there's there's such a uh, enormous gap in in uh, quality in this league you know i i'm at a loss to even tell you uh beyond the top six teams because i think we we've come to the conclusion that the top four teams are um the two man manchester teams chelsea and uh spurs and then there's a, a bit of a gap and then arsenal and liverpool are fifth and sixth but in most seasons they being the top four they're that good right um that I can't even tell you who the seventh best team in the league is. I can't even begin to tell you. Maybe it's Watford. Maybe it's West Brom because this is the way that Pulis has always played. And, or, Burnley. Uh, or Burnley. Yeah, under Sean Dyche, who've gotten a lot of points away from home. Um, they're the only team that's able to kind of uh, compete with the top teams from the, the group below. Uh, yeah, maybe it is them, actually, based on that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The league, to me, is... Uh, and this isn't NBC's fault. The league is becoming less compelling, less competitive. 
but NBC's um, decision to 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 push NBC Sports Gold um, has then taken the games that would be competitive between teams that are not in the top six uh, against lower teams. uh, Let's say a Burnley Southampton game or a a Stoke Crystal Palace game. It's taken it off your television Mm -hmm. and uh, then encourage channel surfing to where you're watching the Bundesliga or you're watching La Liga. And it's ironic, too, because uh, the Premier League now has more money in that league than they've ever done in the past before. So you would imagine that the quality uh, in the league would be much better. But the quality is better, but only among, like, what, the first, like, two or three or four teams. And then everyone else is just uh, trying to catch up. And it just Yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong about this because I would say in my the caveat I had last year when I was arguing with people on Twitter and other social media about the quality of the league. And I would say, hey, you guys are short selling Germany and and Spain. Those are better leagues in England when they would tell me, oh, well, uh, the, the, the bottom teams in England were all better than the bottom teams in, in Germany, and which I, which I, again, thought was absolute rubbish. I would qualify by saying, look, with the amount of TV money that's flowing into the Premier League to each club, I think next season uh, your Swansea's, your Stokes, everybody will be much better and be playing at a higher level and will probably be uh, – it- would probably qualify from Europe for, from other leagues. But no, that's not the case at all. I, yeah. I don't know uh, what's happened. I guess you've probably nailed it on the head, Chris, which is everyone's becoming more risk-averse because you lose that TV money if you get relegated. So what it's done is it's actually encouraged teams to play more negatively and more defensively so they don't fall out of the league. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and in some ways, too, Crystal Palace make things look a whole lot worse than they are. I mean, when you have a team that's that bad, this that's letting in that number of goals. But it's not just Palace. It's, it's many other teams above them, too, that are just uh, getting hit, you mean, with 6-0, 5-0, 4-0s. And there, there aren't that many, like, 4-4 games or 4-3 games, uh, unless you're Leicester and Arsenal at the beginning of the season. But there aren't that many kind of high-scoring, uh, back-and-forth, competitive between two team games. Uh, it's either kind of 1-0s or, you mean, uh, 1-1s, 2-1s. And, and five nils, six nils. And we've had 10 blowouts in this league, uh, the ones I mentioned before, like that long list, uh, just in the first seven weeks. So um, so those are all games where uh, the, the, the winning side won by more than four goals and uh, they were clean sheets. Exactly. That's a remarkable statistic. I mean, yeah. and again, I... I uh, this has been the criticism that fans of England of the English uh, league, and again, this is an American thing. These aren't English fans who, who who have these arguments. It's American fans of the Premier League because they're into the whole culture of leagues and this league being better than that league, and uh, etc. Which comes from American college sports and comes from the NFL, as you mentioned. Um, that they would say, well, why would you watch Barcelona or Real Madrid? They win every game 4-0 or 5-0 in Spain. Well, actually, Real Madrid has dropped a bunch of points early in the season, if you haven't noticed. And Bayern Munich over in Germany uh, has dropped a bunch of points. Now, Bayern uh, in Germany, even when they've been dominating the league the last few years, would win a lot of 3-2, 2-1 type games. They weren't winning a lot of games 5-0. But unfortunately, that made it even more frustrating to watch, honestly, Chris, because you knew they were going to win the game in the end, (laughs) right? Um, But I I don't know. Do you think the Premier League cares about this? Do you think they feel like they have an international image problem or do they feel like it's more important to have their top brands, their top clubs, uh, 
dominant to where they pick up more global casual fans? I mean, do you think from a league level there's any concern about this? Yeah, it's the latter. So I don't think they care uh, as much about these blowouts and uh, they're focused more on, on the major teams that are gonna, going to generate the most number of fans globally. And, um, and we talked about this in last week's show too in terms of the Premier League having discussions about trying to, rather than equally share the money among all 20 teams for international uh, TV rights, giving uh, a larger share to, on merit, I mean, the top six would get much, much more in money. Right. So I think it's, it's really, they, they, sh- they should be focused, they should be worried about this as a trend. Uh, I don't think they are, though. And I think they're just focused on um, I mean, generating more money, which they are, and uh, gener- generating more viewers, which they are, so, um, as well as sponsorships and everything else. I have to say that this is a this is a real concern for me, particularly at this moment, because Brexit's coming down the pike and uh, people just assume things will be OK. I'm not making that assumption. I'm not making the assumption that guys uh, that uh, don't require work permits who are from the Netherlands or Belgium or France, uh, this, particularly those three countries or Spain, those four countries, these outstanding Western European countries that produce a lot of um, non-national team quality but quality players for the Premier League clubs from 7 to 20 um, aren't going to need work permits. There's just an assumption among a lot of Premier League fans that, oh, well, the home office will fix it so that they don't hurt the league. Well, why, why would they care whether they hurt a football league or not, right? Mm-hmm. If they've got much more – if they've got uh, uh, constituents breathing down yeah. their neck about Im- immigration. So I have this concern that the Premier League is already going to take a step back because of Brexit and that Brexit would impact – Team seven through twenty far more than one through six because one through six the guys they sign anyway are going to be national team caliber players who get work permits naturally because they're playing for their national team. So um, seeing this gap already before that uh, the new immigration laws and there will be new immigration laws kick in in the UK whether um, the Home Office uh, uh, decides to enforce them on football clubs or not is a different matter, but. Um, it really is a concern to me because, I mean, I, I decry this culture of promoting leagues and et cetera, but it is my favorite league. It is the league I have the closest connection to. It is the league I watch the most closely. Uh, include, I watch it more closely than I watch my own domestic leagues, MLS and NASL and USL. So I, I think there are a lot of warning signs that uh, the, the greed in, at the Premier League, which is greed of the top six clubs, uh, is preventing them from um, – from doing the things they need to do. And this is a thing I've, I've gotten into this argument recently, Chris, with American fans who want pro-rel in this country. I want pro-rel in this country. And then they cite what goes on in England. And I've said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, if you want pro-rel in an open system, I'm all for it. But uh, part of me just says, let's leave MLS as is if we're going to implement what's happened in, in, the, in the Premier League since 1992. I don't want to sound like David Kahn, but um, I guess I am sounding like David Kahn. <laughs> Look at the German system. Look at the way it's been done there and in some other countries and keep clubs as kind of community-based institutions where um, they keep ticket prices low and affordable. We don't – that's another racket of the Premier League is with all this increased money from TV, you would think they would be able to keep ticket prices in check, but they're not. And there were a lot of fans in the United Kingdom – you know this, Chris mm-hmm. – that have just tuned out on the league and they're watching non-league football. They're watching lower league football, but they don't, uh, the league has, is now detached from them. And it's basically like this global league that just happens to play its games. this global super league with all this money flowing around uh, and almost entirely foreign owners and foreign coaches that happens to play its games in English cities. 
Yeah, in many ways, uh, the Premier League is one of uh, Great Britain's uh, best exports. So right. I think in terms of uh, Brexit and immigration laws, I think there will be some wiggle room there too where um, the British government will look at ways to maybe to uh, grant some exceptions. Um, again, we don't know. It's so far off um, whether or not that would happen. But I seem to think that there would be some wiggle room where they would try to get something done. Um, and in terms of the Premier League, at the end of the day, whether it's the Premier League or, or MLS, it's it's all based on greed. And yeah. um, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's we, the consumers, the, are the ones that are getting screwed in terms of uh, having to pay the exorbitant pa- prices for tickets uh, to Premier League matches. And uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, really... Um, but, yeah, I think the Premier League has a lot of things to look at, whether or not they will or not. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. And how they fix it, um, I'm, I'm still surprised. I mean, I, I want to finish this off in, on this note, Kartik. I, I'm still I'm still surprised that no matter how much money the Premier League has, how few of the major, major top stars in the world are coming into the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. They're, that's they're, they're still going to Spain. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, with the exception, Exception of uh, Alexis Sanchez and uh, uh, Ibra in the last few years, and Ibra's towards the end of his career. You haven't had one of those top top names come into the league since uh, uh, 2014. And I thought the new TV contract would open things up, and and it really hasn't. Uh, no English club was uh, is able to uh, uh, to to bring in the top stars for whatever reason. And I, and I can't explain it. Maybe that changes, but um, that, that to me is actually also surprising. So you have all these other issues we're discussing and you don't have the Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar uh, level player uh, coming into the league to, 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 to be kind of an anchor for marketing purposes. So um, there's a lot to sort out for yeah. the Premier League. Absolutely. So, Kartik, uh, where can listeners find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at KKFLA737 on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Google+, all those uh, usual places, but with my name, Kartik Krishnayer. And then, of course, uh, at World Soccer Talk, uh, worldsoccertalk.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, and worldsoccertalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. And Kartik, what should they do? Enjoy your football. make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy mail checks invoices legal documents and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code Program.